On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with the survivor named Darcy, and Darcy was in a toxic relationship with a cheating narcissist. It's a story of facades, kernels of truth, wanting proof, and trying to make things work. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now before we get to our episode today with Darcy, I just first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently and you want to be on our show, come on, everyone, send in, send in your stories. Always looking for more stories. Please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a, there's a button there that says Guest Form, something like that. That's how well I know the website right now off the top of my head. I always forget this. But anyway... You press that button, you fill out the form, it comes to us, we go through the process. Who knows, you might be on the show next week, the week after that, the week after that. You never know. Send in your stories, everyone. But if you also want to be on the show in another way, we also have our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode. We're still waiting for more letters to come in. You can also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Side of the page, there's a floating button that says send voicemail. You click that button, you read your letter, records up to five minutes. You need more than five minutes, press that button twice. You need it three times because you want to record for 15 minutes, press it three times. Not in a row, but you understand what I mean. Anyway, if you do not want to read the letter yourself, Send the letter to NarcissistApocalypse at, at gmail.com. Subject line, put letters to my narcissist. Send that letter to us, myself or my old pal, Melissa, who's been really busy with work lately. But I just want to say shout out to my old pal, Melissa. Hey, one of us will read it for you when the time comes. Now, other things we are offering at NarcissistApocalypse.com. We are offering high-conflict parenting courses, NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with online parenting, and many of the courses we're offering were created by Bill Eddy 
And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court. And now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Also, uh, you know, something that we haven't done in a while, our Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A has been dormant for a little bit of time, but this week we recorded an episode is now out at Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, available on all podcast apps. A new episode is out with someone named Monica Naj, and she is from the Safe Haven Partner and Abuse and Protection Program out of Texas, and we discuss abusers, red flags, and the services available to all abuse victims, including narcissistic abuse and what services are available at domestic violence agencies. So if you want to learn more about abusers, because she works with abusers themselves, it's really interesting to hear what she has to say about them. Go take a listen to that episode. And let's see our Patreon, everyone. Last week, we had an other support group meeting on Saturday night. We had a bunch of people there. We had a good time. We discussed uh, people's issues and problems. We're giving out some homework, too. Um, So we're doing one every Saturday night on our Patreon at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We're also starting an every other Wednesday meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern time. That first Wednesday meeting will be this Wednesday. So if you want to join that group, because you couldn't do it on a Saturday and you can only do it on uh, midweek on, on a weeknight, we got a Wednesday night every other week group starting this Wednesday. So that is that. We also have other episodes uh, uh, that have never aired that are that are on there. I just uploaded one a couple hours ago. Uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be more than a couple hours ago. Sometimes we have fun episodes on there with me and my old pal Melissa. Anyway, go to our Patreon if you want to support the show. Become a patron of our Patreon. You also get all these support group stuff. We might start adding a creative night as well. Uh, Patreon dot com slash narcissist apocalypse you know you you get uh, all the extras plus a a lot of help and not just help from uh, me but from others who are on there in our support group so uh, supporting our patreon is also supporting yourself and uh, you know before we start this episode uh, I just want to say there are a little bit tiny bit of sound problems at a certain point uh, when we were recording this, Darcy was, um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but she was with her, uh, child and she does, does move from uh, place to place, uh, cause her child had to go to the bathroom. I think they were out, uh, while they were recording this. I had no idea. Cause for the most, most part, uh, you couldn't tell that, um, that she was actually out and about while, while talking to me, but, but she actually was. So there is these, maybe like a five to seven minute period during this episode where, uh, you maybe start hearing a little bit of wind um, and maybe some background noise as if they were at a mall or something. I really don't know. I didn't ask questions. Um, but it's a really interesting episode. Um, there is, I guess, some uh, vulgar language here or there. and But, you know, it's not like it was uh, forceful 
uh, or angry kind of vulgar language. It's just part of uh, the story. So uh, I just want to thank uh, Darcy for being on the show. And, uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Darcy, uh, who is hopefully listening to this right now. And now, uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Darcy. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Darcy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am pretty good. It's a afternoon, nice afternoon here. I do have a cup of coffee with me. Did that even make sense? Did I even say coffee properly? I think I was speaking too fast. Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, I'm just going to get out of my way. In your way, thank you for being here with me today, Darcy. Uh, the floor is now yours. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so um, I guess I'll start with just telling you a little bit about myself. I'm 29 years old. I live in Florida. And so I come from a Hispanic family. We're Puerto Rican, and um, we're very. my family is very... Christian, religious, um, very strict Christian. So that's kind of the household that I came from. Um, I had a daughter at 19, and um, the man that I had my first daughter with um, left us like two days before her first birthday. So I already had some kind of trauma with men um, from my first daughter. And so after that relationship, I was single probably about five years. And, um, you know, I was just trying to be as careful as I could be with choosing my next partner because I knew I did have a daughter and I didn't want to be burned again. So I spent that five years just very focused. I, um, I'm a hairstylist, so I went to hair school. I, um, you know, just worked and went home to my daughter and um I you know was just very focused on my career I didn't really go out that much and then right about when I was like 24 years old my daughter had just turned about five and you know she was getting to the age where it was easy to find a babysitter she wasn't a baby baby anymore so I started to go out a little bit more I had never really been like a party girl because I was a mother so young. So, um, yeah, so the summer of 2016, I started to kind of go out, you know, I didn't really drink too much. I didn't start drinking until I was like in my mid twenties, I was never a drinker or a partier. Um, so yeah, so I started to go out and it was the summer of 2016 and the salon that I was working at, I was doing so good. Like I was making really good money. Um, you know, I work in, in a high end salon in a really nice area. Um, I was doing well for myself and I started to go out. I met new people and, um, that's where I met my ex was that summer. And, so, so I have, um, I have one question before uh, you get to the ex. Uh, in regarding when you said trauma with men from first relationship, uh, what mm -hmm. issues uh, from that relationship uh, were the biggest things that you were dealing with? 
I think um, with that, just being um, just being ditched by this man who I had a child with, like he was, um, he had um, a felony, so he it wasn't easy for him to get a job. So uh, we moved out of state where my parents were, and I got him a job. Um, because I knew that he wasn't going to be able to get a job anywhere else. I got him a really good job, enough to take care of, you know, his family. Um, his future was looking really good. We had just bought a brand new car. Like we lived in a really nice, um, apartment, you know, um, it it was a really good life that, that we had created. And then, you know, he just ditched us and I, you know, we were really young. I was like eight, 19. He was like 21. So I understand the age probably had a lot to do with it, but just like that feeling of being abandoned by someone who's supposed to provide and protect, you know? So Um, yeah, so you had the uh, uh, trust obviously in other people uh, was damaged and then you have uh, uh, that abandonment. Was that the first time you ever felt abandonment? um, Yeah, I mean... um, my parents, I mean, my, my dad raised me. My mom, um, I didn't live with my mom until I was about 13, and I only lived with her until I was 16. So I don't know if, I mean, that's all, like, childhood trauma. I don't know if I felt, like, abandonment from my mom because she let my dad raise us. I don't really know where, where, where any of that, where the issues stem from that. But, um like my dad was always there for me. I had an amazing stepmom. She was American and she was just awesome. She was always there, helped me with my homework, you know, like everything that a mother should do. She was that person for me. So I always had like really good, um, you know, examples around me. So I apologize for, uh, backing up the truck. I just wanted to ask that question. And now, uh, back to, the narcissist. Okay. So, um, I met this man through a friend. Okay. So we, it was just weird how it started. I started, um, online dating and I met this guy, not my, not my narcissist, but his, one of his really good friends. And I actually went on like two dates with this man. And I was like, he is disgusting. I would never date this guy. But he just happened to be the friend of my ex. And that's kind of like how we met through this guy that I went on two dates with. And um, so he brought him along. He also had a daughter who was five years old. So he brought, it was Father's Day, the first day that I met them. And I figured, you know, bring them around a group of people so that I'm not alone. And, you know, it's just always awkward to kind of meet someone for the first time. I was like, let me make it kind of like a family group type of meeting. So he brought his daughter and then he also brought my narc with him. Cause that was like his best friend. And so, um, you know, it was very like friendly and whatever, everything was cool. And I, well, after going on a few dates, um, I realized I did not like this man at all. And, um, you know, nothing happened. We didn't sleep together. We didn't do anything. Um, I just decided I didn't like him. I was like, no, he's not the one. And so I had met this guy, my, uh, my ex, um, through him. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, I tried to get his number while he was there or anything. It just, I just had seen him with him. And then 
later, maybe like a few weeks after I already have like blocked this guy. I was like, no, there's no way I would ever date this guy. And so, um, one of my girlfriends who worked at the salon with me was also dating a guy in their friend group. So it was like so weird how everyone was just connected, you know? Um, so her and I started getting close because we kind of had, um, you know, she was dating a guy in the friend group and I had went on a date with one guy that was like part of the same friend group. And so we, I would tell her stories about it. Like, Oh no, I would never date this guy. So anyways, her and I went out one night and, um, my ex narc was by himself and just happened to come in. And, um, we were, we were at like a bar club type of place and he walked in and, um, it was like literally like instant connection. Like we just looked at each other. And then from that night, we just spent like every weekend together after that. What were the things that really hooked you in about this person? Um, I think, so he is an engineer, so he's, when it comes to like his profession, he's a brilliant man. He's very dedicated to his work. So the, the habits that he had, um, I think I was attracted to his habits. Like I thought, you know, someone who, um, you know, wakes up in the morning, makes breakfast, takes his vitamins, goes to the gym every day. Like, those are good habits to have in a partner, someone who cares about their career, someone who's healthy, you know, someone who cares about their physical fitness. Those are all things that I want in a partner, you know, someone who's responsible when it comes to um, providing, making a living. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And, of course, you know, when you hear engineer, that's just like in society, that's like an honorable job to have, you know. So I think that was a lot of why I was attracted to him was because his title and because he was responsible when it came to like his career. Um, and also, you know, what we were, you know, sleeping together so that, you know, I feel like that is also another way to get attached to someone is when you're physical so soon. Um, so, and then, you know, I was bringing my daughter around him so the way he was very, like, gentle with my daughter and very patient with my daughter. So that was, like, um, another thing that I was very attracted to, the fact that he was so mellow and patient with my, with my five-year-old at the time. And so I was, like, hooked right away. And, you know, he was just such a gentleman, opened the doors for me. Um, I never had to pay for anything. He was taking me to all these nice places. We went to Miami. We went to Fort Lauderdale. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the, the exact place, but, you know, we were just going on trips, and I didn't have to pay for anything. It was just like a dream, you know? And he, um, he, he was the opposite of guy number, uh, the, the, the first guy, the one that just exactly. left. Exactly. Yeah. He was just, I didn't have to baby him and teach him how to be that provider, he just was the provider. Like, he just knew how to make money, how to take care. I felt like I was being taken care of. So before you were like a mom to the first guy who then just got up and left, and mm-hmm. now um, you just don't have those worries. You get to be a mom, but you also get to be taken care of. And a lot of, let's say, the stresses 
that you had as being a single mom, in your mind, a lot of those weights felt lessened? Exactly. Like, he just charmed me with, I guess, the financial aspect of everything. Um, And, um, you know, he's, he's charming. Like, he's just master manipulator and and you know i'm five eight he's like six four so the fact that he was tall and you know all the things that women look for um he was a big guy he goes to the gym i just felt protected and i felt like i was being taken care of and i think that as women we look for that in a partner you know safety and and stability and all that stuff Hmm. so um so yeah so um, my birthday is in October. So we, we started dating at the end of the summer by October for my birthday. Um, I woke up and there was a present on the bed and it was Chanel glasses. I had never received a gift that expensive. Should those glasses were almost $500. So I was just like, wow, you know, this guy must really like me. I've never had a guy buy me some, $450 sunglasses, like, especially a guy that I've met two, three months ago. So in my mind, I was like, wow, he really, really likes me. And, um, you know, he was pursuing me, like we were spending all this time together. And so I think, you know, those charming um, things that he was doing and the gifts that just, I I guess that was what hooked me to him. Mm -hmm was the fact that I had never had that experience before with anybody. And so, um, yeah, by, by my birthday, I was already hooked. It had been a few months, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And um, so then we, we would go out, and then I started to notice things. For example, we went out, and I went to the bathroom by myself and I didn't know that it was like a thing to have someone chaperone you to the bathroom. I thought I could just use the bathroom and then, you know, go back to my group of people that I came with. And so that was like a huge deal. Like he was accusing me of, of, you know, walking by myself to go talk to other men. Um, and that I was looking at, at other men while I was there. Um, And I had never looked at any other man. I literally just walked to the bathroom. So I thought that was kind of weird. Um, So 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 that was like. In in that type of moment, and I apologize for interrupting, but I just wonder in in that moment, uh, were you more in in shock of kind of what you, in in defending yourself in the sense of uh, not thinking about what was actually transpiring? And you're just like, uh, you like this guy so much uh, that, you know, you're just in the mode of defending and making sure that he's okay. Um, I, I was like, you're super insecure. Like, what is your okay. problem? Okay. Yeah. I just told him, I was like, I didn't look at anybody. Um, you're very insecure. And he's like, Oh, well, uh, his response to me, he's like, Oh, that's what. So in, in, I guess, Instead of, he started to call me names at that point. So he was like, oh, well, all the hoes call men insecure when they're looking at other men because that's just what hoes do. And I was like, excuse me? Like, what? I literally did not look at anybody. I was just 
in shock that this man was accusing me of something that I wasn't even doing. Um, so it was really weird. And, you know, it was definitely a red flag. And I just brushed it off because I was like, you know, maybe he's insecure because I went on a few dates with his friend. So maybe he thinks that I'm going to go date someone else because that's kind of like what happened with our situation, you know? Um, so I just kind of like, yeah, I guess in my mind, I kind of made excuses for his behavior. Um, I was just like, you know, maybe he just feels a little insecure because I, you know, went on a few dates with his friend's friend and then ended up dating him. Was that, um, was that the first time he used language like hose? No, like he was, that's when the name started, the okay. name calling started. Okay. Um, was, that was like, I think the first incident that he had called me a name. And then from there it just got, it started getting worse. Like every single time we went out, I, I felt like I had to look at the floor. Like I couldn't even look up because he was going to think that, I was looking at someone. So we went out again. The same exact thing happened. Like he was like, Oh, you're over there looking at this man. And then, and then he would even make up stories. Like the man came up to me and told me that you were looking at him and he just wanted to make sure that I, you were my girl. Um, um, before he came up to you to talk to you because he saw you looking at him. And I was like, well, that's a lie because I deliberately didn't look at anyone. Cause I was, you know, scared you were going to think I was looking at someone. So I know that's bullshit because I deliberately made it a, a, a conscious decision to not look at anyone because I didn't want you to think that I was looking at anybody. So I, at this point, I was like, he's fucking crazy. Like, you are so insecure. I don't know what happened to you in the past, but this is crazy. And so... <clears throat> I feel like it's so soon for this stuff to be happening. We just started dating. And so I remember calling my sister-in-law, who's, you know, my best friend. I've known her since I was 11 years old. Um, sorry, by, by, oh, sorry. I, was, I was confused. So your sister-in-law, so one of your siblings' uh, wives? Yes. So okay, she okay. was my best friend and since I was 11, and they got married. So she's my sister-in-law. And I called her, and I started telling her these things things that were happening and she like she knew right away she said he's a narcissist and I was like what is that I didn't even know what a narcissist was I had no idea what it was I had to like google the definition of narcissist um and I you know I didn't really know the severity of it because I had never been through it before so um I just kept ignoring the red flags I was just like, whatever, because it feels so good. You know, when the highs are high, it's, it's literally like you're, you're like you're high, like the adrenaline and the excitement of all the good things that they have to offer. You just don't want to let that go. Um, I didn't want to let go of like the fun times that we were having and, and him taking me out and me not having to pay and, you know, going out to eat all the time. And every weekend we were doing something fun. And I just didn't want that to go away. Um, so we, you know, these things kept happening. Every time we would go out, um, he would accuse me of things and call me names. And, yeah, it just got worse. And um, he would do things like, I remember, um, 
I broke up with him. We had dated about a year. And um, I, I remember him always, like, hiding things from me, like his phone and things like that. And um, every time I would ask him about it, he would just, you know, shush me or, or, you know, just delete the messages or whatever. And so I broke up with him about after we had dated for about a year. And um, so he, I remember I went on a trip to go see my family. And then when I came back, he had like all these gifts on my doorstep gifts for my daughter gifts for me like flowers and you know just toys for my daughter and so um I said okay well you know since you care so much we can try again but when we get together I'm not going to risk anything and I'm going to get on birth control because I don't want any accidents to happen so literally the next day I had already set this appointment before we even got back together. Um, and so I go to get my birth control and the doctor says, well, you're, you can't get birth control. You're four weeks pregnant. And I was like, what? And I just, I didn't know how to feel. I had no, like I knew my daughter financially would be okay. But as far as like how insecure this man was and the the um, name calling and, and the belittling, he would always um, talk about me being a hairstylist and always kind of like belittle my job and, and make me feel like I wasn't good enough because I, I didn't have a title like his. Um, even though we made almost the same amount of money, which I thought was weird that he would put me down <laughs> for, you know, being successful in what I chose to do and loving what I do. It was just a way to, to make me feel like shit about myself, you know? And so, um, I called him immediately after the doctor's appointment and I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, they just told me I'm four weeks pregnant. And he was just like, what? Like, that's all he said. And so <clears throat> I was like, what do you want to do? And so immediately he's like, well, how do I even know that's my baby? And I was like, well, if it's not your baby, it's, it's God's baby because I haven't been with anyone else for the past year. It's been you. So I don't know what to tell you. And that made me feel like shit. Like, literally, I've done nothing but date this one guy and, and you know, spent all my time with this one person. And then when we find out I'm pregnant, then he accuses the, me of the baby not being his, which I thought was. I felt so humiliated, like, excuse me? Like, how could you say that? Um, and so I, I just didn't know what to do. I was just so confused. And he would be nice one day, um, you know, like super lovey-dovey. Um, and then the next day it, it'd go back to, like, the name-calling and the, the belittling and, and everything. So I decided I went to go visit my family. And, um, at that point, everyone knew that I was pregnant. And, um, when I came back, I was not happy about it. I just never felt joy about the whole situation. I just felt like, what the hell did I just do? Cause I knew that to deal with this man was going to be hell. And through the whole pregnancy, I just never felt happy about it. I was just like, fuck, 
fuck, fuck, fuck, like, what did I just do? Um, because I've had a baby before, and I know how hard it is, and I know I already knew what to expect. So it was really hard, especially if he was so hot and cold all the time. It was never, like, one, I didn't know what side of him I was going to get that day. Like, one day he'll be super sweet and taking me out and, you know, just so charming. And the next day, oh, that's not my baby. Um, I don't give a fuck about you. You're a fucking thought, which is, like, calling me, like, a whore. But that's just, like, his lingo. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, like, a roller coaster of emotions. And I just didn't really know what I was going to get from him. Um, so, you know, the right thing to do would be to, we're about to have a baby. Let's make this family work. So he moved in with me. Um, I was moving, I was living in a home with my grandmother at the time and we moved her into a like, um, elderly facility, you know, like, um, 55 plus living. And he ended up moving into the home with me within two months. I, he was like going out every single night. Um, I remember one day, um, I came home, I was like maybe six months pregnant at this point, And he left his iPad at home and his, his phone was connected to the iPad and, um, it dinged. And so I went to go check it and he was like, some girl was sharing her location with him and he was supposed to be at work. And so, um, I called the girl, she told me it was nothing, you know, that she, it was like her boyfriend's, um, get together and she was just sharing the location. So even to this day, I don't even know if that was true or not, but it just, everything just felt wrong. Like I just knew, cause it was like incident after incident, like I would constantly find women on his phone, like different women on his phone. And I remember another woman, this was like literally the first day he moved in my home. Um, a woman was like messaging him on his phone. And I was like, um, what is this? And right in front of me, he deleted the message. So I didn't, I never got to even look at what they were communicating about, but I was like, why would you delete the message if it was nothing, you know? Like, why would you just delete that while I'm standing in front of you if you had nothing to hide? And so <clears throat> by two months, I was already kicking him out. I was like, you got to go. I can't do this. I was seven months pregnant. And at this point, I was so, I felt so much regret. And like, I knew I was about to ruin my life with this man that I, I felt like I was going crazy. And like the pregnancy hormones weren't helping. He wasn't leaving the house. I knew that if I did not get this man away, that I was going to, like, go into labor early. Like, I just knew it because I was constantly crying. I was stressed out. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was just getting literally physically sick because of this man. And so um, eventually with me acting crazy and, and getting the cops involved, he left. Um. And then I ended up having the baby prematurely. Um, luckily, she was mature enough to be healthy. She wasn't like, uh, they call it late-term preemie. So she was preemie, but it was late-term. So 
everything was developed at that point. So she was fine. And um, I hadn't spoken to him in like two, three months. So and, um, within that time, while you were in the relationship with him for a year, then you guys broke up and then uh, trying to make a family work, uh, moving back in, you know, most of the abuse or maybe all of the abuse, was it pretty much devaluation in, in how you were uh, treated uh, and how he spoke to you? Um, no, there were worse things. Um that didn't happen um, until later, but I'll tell you more about it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> like, right now at this point, it was mostly just me finding women on his phone all the time. Him always finding an excuse to go out into the middle of the night. Um, living with him, I started to notice that he had a, sub- a substance abuse problem. He couldn't be sober. This man had to be drunk or high all the time. All the time. He could not be sober. If he was sober, he was a demon. He was evil. Um, And another thing I forgot to mention, the way he lured me in, um, when I first met him before bed, he used to kneel and pray every night. And I just thought that was so weird. But I think him knowing that I came from, like, a Christian home, like, he knew that that was going to be a way to get to me. I was like, oh, well, you know, he's a godly man or whatever he thought he was doing. But I just thought that was so weird. Like, I never knew that you were, you know, um, religious. But he I, I, he would do that every night, kneel and pray. Um, so I just thought that was funny for him to end up being such a horrible person. Like, did, but, um, did he eventually forget to kneel and pray as time went on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. So he moved out when I was pregnant. I ended up having the baby prematurely. Um, I allowed him to come see the baby when she was born. He never signed the birth certificate. He um, told me that that wasn't his baby. So the day that he came to see the baby at the hospital, he brought one of those CVS um, paternity test to swab me in the baby's mouth. And I just felt so humiliated. Like I went through all this for this man who doesn't even think this baby is his. I just don't understand. I was so confused. And so when he walked in, I was breastfeeding the baby and he just had said like this really nasty comment to me. He was like, Oh, um, He's like, oh, yeah, is that how, how your new man be sucking on your titty like that? And I was like, excuse me? Like, after everything you put me through, you're going to come in here and start being vulgar towards me when I literally just gave birth to our child? So it was just crazy. Like, he was just really nasty and vulgar in the way that he spoke. And um, so, we were, so after that, you know... I opened a paternity suit against him so that I can start getting child support so we can establish a paternity. And um, we were separated for about a year after that. And then a year later, and it was probably because I was very, like, low contact with him. And so about a year later, he starts pursuing me again. And um, he he had me believe that I was just, so hormonal during my pregnancy that I made a bad decision by, by leaving him. And so I believed it. 
I, I, and it was because I had, I was emotional. I was very emotional. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, I felt like I was physically sick. So, um, in, in, I, I in, thought, sorry, just to uh, ask this one question. In the times uh, previous when he was, let's say, putting you down, discussing, you know, you know, thinking that you're below him because of your work and things like that, you 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 didn't mm-hmm. believe those things. You know, it sounds like you were someone that fought back against that and, you know, that stuff at those times didn't bother you. But here we have a case where uh, there's a kernel of truth uh, involved here and, and this time you did believe it. Yeah, because, um, you know, I called the cops on him to get him to get out of my house. I knew something wasn't right and I couldn't, like, I never physically caught him cheating. I just, I just felt it in my soul. Like I just knew something was very wrong about this man. And it was so, you know, we only have lived with each other for two months and I couldn't, I didn't have enough evidence to act crazy the way I was acting. I just knew I needed him out and I never had like solid evidence. You know what I mean? So it was like, in my mind, I was like, maybe I was overreacting and maybe I was just hormonal because I was pregnant and, and he didn't ever physically touch me. And I, and you know, he's black. So the fact that I called the cops on him was a huge deal and he really guilted me for that. And I felt horrible, but I just knew that I needed him gone. I knew that the stress that I was going through and him being there causing it, I, I just knew for my sanity and for the health of me and the baby that he needed to go. And I didn't have solid evidence to do, to act crazy how I was acting. So yeah, I thought that it was, I thought it was because of the pregnancy hormones. He had me believe that it was because I was pregnant and that I just, wasn't being logical or making good decisions because I'm too emotional. And so, you know, I believed it. And I, I felt bad. I felt bad for calling the cops on him because he never really physically hurt me in that way. So we ended up, um, and then he, I was having issues at home. My grandmother had moved back in with me when I kicked him out and, um, I was having issues at home. So I think he saw that and kind of used that as a way to get me um, back as well. And so he, um, he was like, I'm going to buy you guys a house. I'm going to buy a house for you and the kids. And, you know, you just move in. I'll stop paying child support and we could just raise the kids together. It's a win-win for everybody. And, you know, we get to be a family and, you know, he just types it up to, to be this picture perfect situation. And that way, you can get away from your family drama and you can have a nice home for you and your children. And so I bought it. I was like, okay, you know, and, and I feel like as a woman, we want to make our family work. And I knew that if I, if I didn't give it my hundred percent, like my, my efforts a hundred percent and try everything I could possibly do to make this work, that I wasn't going to have peace, you know? And so he started looking for homes. So he made it seem like he was buying a home for us as a family. But um, I didn't even see the house that he bought until he already placed an offer in it. So it wasn't like I was part of the home searching. It wasn't like it was um, a couple's thing that we were doing together. You know what I mean? Like we weren't trying to build this relationship um, 
or like a committed relationship because I wasn't even part of that. Like he would bring me to some of the house viewings, but I didn't even see the home that he eventually bought until he already bought it. So, um, yeah, that was like the red flag number one. Like when you're with someone and you want to be committed, you know, you go together to search for a house that you both like. Um, so I just thought that was kind of weird. And, uh, but I still moved in with him. Um, the kids and I moved in and, um, everything was like uh, good at first. Um, but actually let me kind of backtrack a little bit. It's so embarrassing because there were so many red flags that I just ignored. Um, I remember before he bought the home, I was spending at his house with our baby and, um, I remember he gave the baby, at this point she was already one, so she could, like, play on the cell phones, and he gave her his phone to play a little game, and he went to the bathroom. And, of course, me me already knowing that there's something going on, I grab the phone, and I go straight to his Instagram, and I open um, his messages, and, of course, I find, like, I don't even want to exaggerate, but I'm talking about nothing but women in his inbox, like probably 30, 40 women. And um, his best friend at the time plays professional baseball, so he was going to, um, I think it was some Asian country, and he was going to go visit his friend. Um, oh, it was Korea. I think it was Korea. Um, and it was nothing but inboxes of him inviting these women to go to Korea with him to go see his friend. And immediately I was like, what the hell is this? Like, why are you inviting all these women to go with you? And you're trying to pursue your family at the same time. Like what's going on? Um, and he was like, Oh, you know, and his friend is married. He has a wife. And he was like, um, you know, I was just, you know, uh, my friend is out there and he's by himself and, I was just trying to bring a few hoes for him just so he could have a few women, you know, cause he's just been out there by himself. And I was like, isn't he married? You know? And so at that point I was so pissed off, but he hid my car keys. So I couldn't even leave his house. He hid my car keys. Um, wouldn't give them back to me. And so I had to spend the night there with him that night. And then eventually I just, I just like, blocked it out of my mind like I didn't want to believe that it was him you know doing those things and I just believed it because I knew that baseball players they have a record of just having different women all the time so I was like maybe it was for his friend you know um so stupid and um during that time before we got into the house um and when we were separated for that year it's crazy because now that I'm talking about it, like different scenarios keep coming up in my head. Like, how could I ignore that? Um, I remember I was out with one of my girlfriends and this is when, during the time period that we were separated and he always knew where I was always. And I didn't know if it was him tracking, like put a tracker on my car or if he was just had something on my phone where he was tracking me, but he, this man knew where I was all the time. Um, it was so bizarre. I didn't know how he knew every time I went out where I was and who I was with. Um, it was actually scary, to be honest. I didn't know how he was tracking me. 
Um, but one night, um, literally out of nowhere, he contacts me when I'm out with my friends and he's like, where are you? Um, I'm going to go pick you up. And at this point I was still in love with him. And so my phone died and I was like, he, I, I didn't have contact with him and for somehow he knew where I was and he picked me up and he took me to his apartment. And while I was there, I was so drunk. I was just like sitting on the bed and my head was spinning and a woman banging on his door. And she's like, is that small? Oh, excuse me. Uh, Don't worry. She was banging on the, asking, she was banging on the door asking if, if that was the mother of his child. And she was crying and she was like hysterically crying. Like, and he was like, well, I'm not going to let you in because she's in here. So you're just going to have to go. And so he closes the door and I'm sitting on the bed. Like, is this really fucking happening right now? Like, is, is this woman really banging on the door asking if I'm in here? Like, I cannot believe that this is happening. And so he closed the door and then she comes back and she starts banging on it again. Like, the, like she's the cops or something like literally just hysterically crying, banging on his door. And so the next day I asked him about it. I was like, did that really happen? Or was I just like really drunk? And so we talked about it and he was like, yeah, um, that was this girl that I was talking to, but I don't really want her like that. You know, just made it seem like she was like, whatever. Um, so obviously it's with every woman that he just discards them. You know, he has his fun, he plays his game and then he just throws them away. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how the hell I even moved in with him after that. I don't know what was going through my mind, why I thought it was a good idea to move me and the, me and the children in with him. Well, it sounds um, like your belief system throughout this whole entire process, you know, you already had the love bombing, you already were hooked into him in, in those ways, uh, you know, when it came to your belief of what a relationship is. And it sounds like that one of your beliefs was that, uh, you know, I'm about to have a child with this guy. I need to try as hard as I can at least once to make it work. Mm -hmm. And it seems like those, that phrase, I need to figure out how to make it work. And that maybe beforehand that was always in your head of what you believe in how relationships are, which helped keep you there and stick around with all the other things mixed in. So as far as making it work, you know, you also said that I don't have, I never had proof. I never could catch him in the act. So, you know, at that point it's hard to, you're still like, well, we're making it work. I don't have the proof of these things. I need the proof to end everything. So it make, it all makes sense to me. Yeah. It's like, I never had like, the solid proof so I could never when I left him what was my excuse you know other than other than my intuition telling me that there's something very very wrong in this feeling in my gut like I like I just felt something so strong and I didn't have proof so it was like when when I would break up with him and then he would be like you know manipulate me into thinking that I did something wrong I would believe it because I didn't have the proof And so it was just so hard. And yes, I wanted, you know, I already had a failed relationship with my first daughter. The last thing I wanted was 
to be humiliated and have another child out of wedlock. And now I have two children by two different men and it didn't work out. And I just think, you know, I'm the only person in my family who's not married. I'm the only person who has children out of the marriage, you know? So it was, to me, it was like the most humiliating thing I could have ever done. And so in that way, that all, that also thought, were you thinking, uh, I have two children, two children out of wedlock, uh, two different men. Who am I going to find that's going to look at me and say, why, like, like who would want me? Is that kind of what's going through your brain as well? Yes, exactly. And, you know, it was just like such a humiliation for me. And, and I was thinking a lot of like what other people would think about me and what my family would think about me and what his mom would think about me. And, and just, I was thinking about everybody and what they would think about me and about this situation. I wasn't thinking about, about, you know, I, I just wanted it to work. I wanted it to work and I was going to do whatever I needed to do to make this work. And so, and, and he was so good at making me feel like everything was my fault. Like I would, I would leave and then he would sucker me back in and he was so charming. And so he's so like mellow. Um, when he speaks, like he just keeps his calm and keeps his cool. That how could this man who's so gentle and so good to my kid do these horrible things to me, you know, like I, I just didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe that he would do these things to me. It, you know, he just displayed such a gentle, nice person sometimes to my children and and so I just didn't I was just having a hard time understanding that people like this exist so yeah so um he he um he had me move into the home with him after all those things had happened you know we weren't together at the time that that woman banged on the door so I thought maybe it was just someone he was messing with when we weren't together and and she was just like whatever but apparently he was doing the same thing to her so for her to be to be crying like that I can't even imagine what he was telling her and the type of relationship that they had together because why would a woman cry like that over someone who was just a fling you know um so I just thought that that was I, I couldn't believe that I you know, and at that point, after experiencing that, I did not trust this man at all. Like, I remember, I remember, like, one time he was working from home, and he wasn't answering my phone calls, and I just, my gut started feeling weird, and I, I drove to his house, and I was like, where is she? And I was, like, opening the, uh, the, the closet doors and I was like freaking out and I was like let me see your phone and he let me see his phone and nothing was in it so so yeah so I ended up moving in with him um he bought this four-bedroom home for me and the children it was a nice home nice area you know everything seemed to be to be good and I was like who would buy such a big home if he didn't have intentions of you know really making this work and really trying um, but he always, like, said these little comments that made me think otherwise. Like, before I moved in, he was like, well, I'm going to buy a house either way, whether we get together or not. So he, this house was for him. And he was going to buy a home 
no matter what. He was just thinking of what was the best thing for him, which obviously would be not to pay child support. So just move me in. He gets me to take care of his kid, live with his kid, and it was just the best situation for him. Um, he thought that I was just going to sit there and, and deal with whatever came with it because he bought a home for us, you know, or for him and just had us move in. So, um, so yeah, so we, we lived there about two months and I just couldn't take it. Like I, I remember like when I was like, when we would be sleeping in the bed together, I wasn't allowed to like touch him. Like I wasn't allowed to like initiate sex ever. Like if I tried to touch him or initiate anything, he would say he's too tired from work. Um, so that felt kind of shitty because I've never been, um, I've never had a man tell me no before like that. So to be rejected, especially from the man that I was with was very, it just felt bad. Like at, at our age, you know, being in our twenties, I don't think that that's an issue that I should touch my man. And you tell me no, I thought that was so weird. And I had never had that experience before. Um, but then I would wake up and he would literally like have sex with me when I was sleeping. So I, it was like, I wasn't allowed to enjoy it or initiate it. It was only when he wanted. And sometimes it would be like when I was sleeping, it was so weird. I just didn't understand it. Like <clears throat> why, why can't I initiate it? Or why can't I be awake to experience that? Like, why do, why do you have to do that when I'm sleeping? I thought that was so bizarre. <laughs> so, um, one time I remember in the middle Hold on. I remember one time we were having sex and it was just like no emotion to it. And he was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like all the toes, you bust the nuts on my dick, like right in the middle of sex. And I was like, what? Like, I literally just started crying. I was like, I can't believe you would speak to me like that in the middle of this is supposed to be like, a good thing that we shared together. And I just thought that was so vulgar and so rude and disrespectful to say to me in the middle of, of that. I just thought it was so weird and so degrading. Like who says that to their woman? Um, so, yeah. And um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to do anything. If I wanted to go out, like I remember I went to a uh, happy hour with my girlfriend and this is kind of where this is kind of where it all ended because I realized I I don't want to be in a relationship where I can't be my authentic self and I always felt like I was walking on eggshells and um I remember I went to a uh to a happy hour with my girlfriend and in his eyes, everyone was a hoe. Everyone, every woman is a hoe. Every woman's a slut. That was his, his look on, on women. That's what he would say. Um, and so I went to a happy hour and he FaceTimed me and I always made it a point to answer because I didn't want to give him anything to be insecure about, you know, because he was so moody and, and I just didn't want him to give him a reason. So he FaceTimed me, I answered, and he, it was like maybe 8 o'clock. It was early, 
I was home before nine. It wasn't like I got home super late, but that day he made that a reason to break up with me. And he was like, Oh, I can't believe you're hanging out with that slut. Um, he's like, you're not my girl. So he just, so he literally just moves me and my children in his home and then breaks up with me because I go out on a happy hour after work with my girlfriend. And so he broke up with me. And then by the time I, I get home, he's on his way to Atlanta with his friend. So I think that he used that argument as a way to, to go party to another state without his family and um, to kind of justify why he was about to go do what he was about to do. Kind of like we were on break. I could do anything I wanted to because we were broken up at that exactly. point. Exactly. Exactly. Like he just found a little argument to blow it up so that he can do whatever he wanted to do and not feel guilty about it. And when he came back, did he try to do the, the, to Hoover you back? Oh no. When he came back, I left. Okay. I was gone. Was I know, no I know but did he, but did he, no but, did he, but did he try to do a Hoover back? Oh, absolutely. He, um, so at that point when he, when he left out of town, I called him, I FaceTimed him because I didn't know where he was. And, and he answered the FaceTime. He was in the car with his buddy, his little baseball player buddy and another guy. And he didn't answer his, he put his friend on the phone. And I, at this point I was livid. I couldn't believe that he was being this disrespectful to me and my, my children doing this to the family that he just moved in, you know? And so at this point, he, um, his friend, his baseball player friend answers the phone and I was pissed. And I was like, I didn't fucking call to talk to you. I called to talk to my man. And then he's like, your man, like, you know, cause we were broken up apparently. And, um, <clears throat> he's like, I didn't, I don't, I don't have anything to do with this. So he puts my ex on the phone and I looked at him and I was just like, I'm done with you. I said, I'm done. And, um, when he got back, I, me and the kids were gone and that was it. It only took him two months to fuck up and, and I left and I had no idea where I was going, what I was going to do. I didn't care. I knew that this man is too immature to have a family. And, and I just couldn't deal with that. I couldn't deal with the lying. Like God knows what he was about to do. Like, why would you pick a fight, break up with your girl who you just moved into this big home that you apparently bought for your children and then go out of town to party with, with your baseball player friends. Like we already know. I mean, you can just assume, but more than likely you're up to no good. And I wasn't going to stick around to find out what it was. I wasn't going to do that. And, um, so yeah, we, I left and of course he was like, I can't stop crying. You know, after we left, um, I can't stop crying. I can't believe this is happening, you know, whatever, whatever. And then I was able to keep very low contact for a while, but he always found his way back in. Um, and so we kind of, I was able to keep him away probably, maybe like six, seven months. And then my daughter's birthday was, was coming. And then he found his way back in, um, used her birthday as like an excuse to be around us. And, um, at this point he already had a girlfriend, of course, cause this girl was already around. And it's so funny. He got a girlfriend like immediately after we split up 
And it's so funny because the girl who he started dating was someone who was always looking at my, my Instagram story. And I was like, that's so funny that, that she was already there while we were together, like already looking at our lives while we were together. It's like, that's not a coincidence. Like you already had some story in her head of what was going on, you know? And so you were able to just pick her up when you dropped me, when you discarded me, you, you had someone already, you know, already ready. Um, so yeah, just, it was just like this big chaotic game that he was playing. Like he, he would find what was in the best interest for him. And then whoever was going to be that person to, to get what he needed. Like for me, it was getting off the house court. So he went as far as to buy this home and move me and my children in. And then, you know, he thought that he was going to be able to just abuse me and, and, do whatever he wanted to do. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I just never knew that. Literally couldn't even touch him. Like if I tried to touch him, initiate sex, oh, I'm too tired. I have to work tomorrow. You know, I have to work. Why are you trying to make me tired? I'm the only one that pays bills here. You know, just make it my fault. And then when we did have sex, he would make it seem like there was something wrong with me because there was no intimacy, you know? And he would just say just really vulgar things to me that I just didn't really understand why, why he would say things like that. Um, so after, yeah, just, after you, you left and, you know, all those kind of weird things were happening, you eventually have to go to, uh, like, uh, I guess, court. Uh, or, or not court, but, like, yes. I guess proceedings have to happen when it comes to uh, child support and uh, things like that. So what happened with all that stuff? So that, um, he, he did claim her as his own because he took that, uh, that swab, I guess, from, from the CVS. And so he ended up claiming her and he got a lawyer. And then this case has just been dragging along because he, he, like I said, so he had us move in, so we stopped the case. And then I moved out, so this case started again. And then he was paying me um, every month, and so I just kind of let it go because I was like, okay, as long as you pay me, we don't really have to keep going through the courts and have the courts tell us how to raise our kid. Um, and then in the summer, he got upset with me for Father's Day. Um, and that's another thing, like, he always would text my family like if I did something that pissed him off he would text my family um trying to make me look bad and and for this particular incident it was so funny because I was actually with my family and um he was just being um very disrespectful via text um I remember he was just cursing me out telling me that I was ugly just mean things like just very mean things. So I blocked him. And then Father's Day, I unblocked him. And I was like, hey, if you want to pick up the baby, this is where we'll be. And again, I guess he was watching my social media. I had posted um, just like a video of the patio of the hotel we were at where my father was staying because it was Father's Day. And then he contacts my family and he's like, oh, you know, um, I'm, I, I can't see the baby today because your daughter is partying. 
she's at the beach partying. And they replied, they were like, well, you know, she's actually right here with me with the baby. So I don't really know like where you think she is, but you know, just using family members to kind of get into the middle of it. He would call my mom. I remember when, um, he would go to the gym and then come home at 11 PM smelling like liquor. And I would just be furious because I'm not stupid. I know where you were, you know, like, don't lie to me. I could barely get this man to sit and eat dinner with us. He was always in a rush to leave the house. Like he never wanted to be part of the family. He wanted to just leave and go get drunk or whatever he was doing. I never even knew what he was doing. So I remember one night he came home and gave me a kiss and I was like, I thought you were at the gym. Why do you smell like alcohol? He told me he bought one of those little two ounce bottles from the gas station. Um, Yeah, that's what he told me he did, that he bought little two ounce bottles of alcohol. And I was like, I'm not fucking stupid. And then during that argument, he called my mom during the argument. Like we are grown ass adults. And he called my mother and I told my mom, mom, I'm not tolerating this. I will not tolerate this. I said, has your husband ever done this to you? I'm not going to tolerate this from this man who's not even my husband. I'm not doing it. And so he would always just try to use family as a way to like guilt me into doing what he wanted. He would do it with our arguments. He would call family members. Um, and he's very charming. So even my family members were like, well, why would this man buy you a house if he, if he didn't love you or if he didn't, if he didn't want, you know, the best for you guys. I'm like, that wasn't my house. My name wasn't on that house. I didn't even see the house until he bought it. Like that wasn't, he was going to buy a house, whether me and the children moved in or not. This was just in his best interest for me to move in because he was paying me child support. That was the only reason why he moved us in. So it was just a lot of mind games and manipulation and, yeah, I'm I'm sure there's so much more that I'm forgetting because it's been so long that it so, was just, I mean. So w- where are you uh, with the court case or as far as um, like child support, like what's going on and uh, have there been problems? Yes. Um, so because of Father's Day, he ended up not picking her up. Um, and so he used that as an excuse not to pay me child support. He said, I'm going to let you struggle for a month to teach you a lesson. That was his exact words. And so, um, he didn't pay me child support that month. And I, and I thought to myself, I'm not fucking playing this game with you. So I contacted my lawyer and we continued the case and, um, his lawyer, um, withdrew from their case. I guess she got fed up of the back and forth. And then, um, so now he doesn't have a lawyer, an attorney, and he's not, he's not responding to my attorney. So this morning I got an email and they told him if he doesn't uh, submit the documents in 10 days, they're going to file against him in the court for the court to get that information and to also request that he pays all my attorney fees. So I don't know what's going to happen now. I don't know if he's going to start acting out because of that, because he does that. He hadn't paid me child support in several months. He'll do like one month and then the next month pay me like half of it. Um, so he'll just use it as a way to get to me. Cause he knows eventually I'm going to call him and be like, what the hell? Like, why aren't you paying me child support? You know? 
So how are you doing now that you're out of it? Uh, has the trauma bond fully been cut? And as far yeah. as your healing process, like what have you done? How are you feeling about yourself? So it's taken a very long time because he did, he used to um, talk a lot about my job. Um, and then when he got a girlfriend, his girlfriend was a nurse. And I remember him telling me how she was so much better because she's a nurse and she just has a better career than me and all this, all this stuff. Um, so that kind of like hurt my feelings. Um, but now, I mean, that was like maybe in the summer. Now, honestly, I feel nothing for this man. I just feel disgust. I feel embarrassed when I look at him that I could even allow someone to to come into my life and just turn it upside down. I used to have a business and through the breakup when I left his home, I, I got rid of my business because I had never lived by myself before. I didn't know if I could afford me and two kids and to sustain this business by myself. So I just got rid of it. That's how much I wanted to leave this man. I didn't care what I had to do. I would have done anything to get out of that situation because I knew that it wasn't, I knew that he didn't care. Like I never felt like, like this was the man who, who loves me. Like I just, it wasn't there. It was never there. It was just more of like, like you said, like a trauma bond. Like there was something about him that I was missing that he was giving me. And I think it was the finances. I mean, what else could it be? Well, well, besides the finances, you know, you, uh, loved him and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that other part was hooking you in as well as trying to make it work. But I guess, you know, at a certain point when you're fed up and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't want to make this work anymore. Um, it, be it becomes easier to leave because, you know, you did give it that try you tried. And, yes, exactly. you know, eventually you had enough proof that this is never exactly. going to work. So I never, I never physically caught him cheating. I never, I, but I just know because, um, when, when he was with his girlfriend, he was cheating on his girlfriend. And then, um, so I think where I kind of like fully got over him. I started dating this guy in the summer. It didn't work out, but it wasn't because he was abusive. It was other reasons, but, um, he started like freaking out, you know, trying to follow my boyfriend on social media, trying to intimidate him when, when, when he was around, when I would drop the baby off, you know, just, he would like pull around in his car and try and intimidate my boyfriend and stuff like that. And that to me was just so unattractive. I just, I don't know. I just feel like he's so immature and it's just very unattractive. And I also feel like when I left him, he almost got worse. Like, I feel like his behavior has gotten worse since I left. Like he had this girlfriend and then, um, the, just the way he would speak about her and speak to her. And then he would bring like random women to come pick up my daughter, like just, one week he'd have this blonde girl and the next week he'd be back with his girlfriend. And then the next week he has a totally different girl around and it's just like, okay, what the fuck is going on? You know? And it worries me for my daughter that has to see that. Um, I don't know. I don't even know. I, I just feel like I was completely like blindsided about this character. Like 
This man used to literally kneel down and pray every night when I met him. And then to now see a completely different character, I'm like, maybe this is just who he was. And he just hit it until I was like too deep in it, you know, and then he just showed me who he was. Or maybe I just didn't want to see it in the beginning. I don't know. So now, I guess, before we end off our show, do you have anything, uh, words of wisdom or advice for other people who are going through or have been through the same thing as you? I would just say, as hard as it is, don't ignore the red flags. And it doesn't get better if anything, it gets worse. If in the honeymoon stage, it's not good, it's not going to get better. It just gets worse. It gets way worse. Like, if you have a gut feeling, nine times out of ten, that gut feeling is right. Always. Well, Darcy, I want to thank you for being uh, here with me today. Well, thank you. And for everyone else who is listening, I hope you have a good night. <laughs>